Episode two of the Kogan Conversation. First of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode. This is exciting to continue to do this with my buddies. Um, like I said, this is a passion project, and I hope you enjoyed the first politically charged episode. Uh, however, like we said, this will not be solely about politics. It's going to be about everything under the sun. Like this episode where we are going to be discussing The Rise of Skywalker, episode nine, for worse or for better. So with us today, we have uh, my producer, Grant Brown, who uh, joined me on the the first podcast (laughs) as he waves to the camera. And uh, my uh, friend, Dan Sponder, who uh, is a a great friend of mine. I went to high school with him and uh, him and I went to Star Wars Celebration last year in Chicago. And we hope to go this year in Anaheim. However, COVID-19 might derail us. So him and I have always had rousing conversations about uh, Star Wars as a whole. We are both massive nerd fanboys. We love it. And now here I am with my ponytail and long hair from quarantine, talking like the guy from The Simpsons who owns a comic book store. Uh, that will be me in 25 years if I continue to talk about Rise of Skywalker on YouTube. <laughs> However. Worst movie ever. Worst movie ever. <laughs> um, so, Sponder, welcome to the Kogan Conversation. You are our first uh, guest that isn't on, on the, uh, the playable on the website. So, welcome. Awesome. Thank you. I am glad to be here. I'm excited to talk about Star Wars, something I do know things about, uh, and and just drink with my friends and have a good chat. Well, speaking of drinking, uh, this, of course, is the Kogan Conversation, where we have everything uh, laid upon a backdrop of drinking whiskey. Uh, but we're all from Wisconsin, so that doesn't matter it doesn't matter what what you're drinking, whether it be beer or whiskey. It's whatever you enjoy having a conversation with with your friends or family. Um, so that being said, what are you guys drinking tonight or today? Um, well, I guess I'll start. I'm uh, doing my <clears throat> my go-to, just uh, white label Jim Beam bourbon on some uh, ice. I love it. Nice, nice. Hey, white label Jim Beam is a good benchmark bourbon. It's uh, it's on the cheaper side. Uh, but Jim Beam has been around for a lot of years, and they've been doing it right for for a while. And White Label is not my favorite, but it is a great uh, benchmark bourbon that I enjoy. Hey, he's been doing right by me for a few years now. So. <laughs> there you go. Spotter, what about you? Um, well, you, as you know, I'm not a huge whiskey drinker myself. I, I enjoy having a glass occasionally. But what I did do is I picked up, it's, uh, I think it's Potassi, if I'm saying that right. It's a uh, whiskey barrel aged imperial stout. Oh, it's a it's a whiskey beer essentially. It's very good. I've never had it myself. Apparently, it is brewed in Wisconsin, which is uh, always nice to hear. And I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's a, it's a good one. Is that a local brewery? Is that Lakefront or at Milwaukee? Um, no, it's uh, yeah, it sits somewhere in the bottle here. I think the city is uh, Potassi. I don't. I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, Potassi, Wisconsin. You're not Polish enough. <laughs> I'm very Polish, and apparently I still don't know it. It's the national. Uh, it's the celebrated at the National Brewery Museum. I don't. know. It looked really good, so I bought it. Cool. And I'm enjoying it. Cool. Well, hey, I, I of course I'm a I'm a massive whiskey fan, and uh, I enjoy dram here and there, um, but I mostly enjoy it when I'm having conversations, especially about Star Wars, because. Um, <laughs> Star, I have lots of opinions that, you know, I can't get 
yelled at about about you know whether they be political or 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 whatever i i can i can get mad at star wars and uh enjoy it <laughs> but <clears throat> the point is there's no there there aren't larger world implications for having opinions about star wars <laughs> uh but i am drinking uh a new favorite of mine it's a bourbon called blade and bow and it's out of the Stitzel Weller Distillery in Kentucky. And I'm going to show the camera here uh, what this bottle looks like. It's a beautiful bottle. They have this little key doodad that they put on there as a kind of gimmick. They have five different unique keys that you can collect off the bottle. And what's unique about Blade and Bow is they use something called the uh, Solera aging process. And basically what that means is they have uh, bourbon in a barrel, right? That's how you age bourbon. They take out about 75% of that bourbon, and then they leave the 25% in there to mingle with uh, new bourbon that they then uh, reintroduce to the barrel to then continue that aging process. So that that older bourbon continues to mingle with newer bourbon. And what that what I find that does is it cuts down on the on the the back end burn a little bit. It's a very very sweet bourbon, um, very fruity, uh, very very strong when it when it comes to uh, on the nose. It's very vanilla. I love this. It's a it's a little higher uh, in the price range. It's about fifty bucks a bottle, depending on where you go. Um, but as far as quality bourbons, uh, I think that's a great go to if you're looking to spend a little bit more than uh, than your average uh, bourbon. So I highly recommend that. It will be on the website, and we'll link uh, to the distillery and and their information in the description. That being said, now that we have uh, whiskey in our glasses and we're ready to talk about Star Wars. I will ask the first question and uh, Sponder with you being our new guest and our and our our guest on our second episode. I'm going to ask you directly. Okay. Just in general. Mhm. What is your favorite part about episode 9? Ooh, that's a loaded question. All right. Cuz there there is a lot I genuinely enjoy about episode nine um the character development i i really enjoy the characters the way they wrapped up a lot of the characters storylines i mean kylo had a great ending i feel like um i really enjoyed seeing like finn and ray in uh finn and poe and poe and ray like the dynamic there i really enjoyed um yeah, one of the things I've just really enjoyed about the sequel trilogy in general is I, I think the characters have all been really interesting. Okay, now how about before we go into that? Because I know Grant has thoughts. Okay, Grant, Grant. For those mm-hmm. of you listening who don't know yet, Grant is our resident movie buff. He is a filmmaker himself. He does a lot of stuff with, with different filmmaking. He actually has a film that he's making uh, uh, right now. Shout out to Scotch Tension. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that, Grant. I know we'll be plugging that more as we go along. Um, but what, before we get into that, because I know we both have thoughts on what you just said, what is your least favorite part about episode nine? It, me? Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You in the, talked a lot about Grant there. I got confused for a second. You in the back. Um, the, <laughs> um, definitely the connectivity with the rest of the trilogy there it's it's very it's very disjointed uh i i think that's how i feel about all three of the movies in the sequel trilogy they 
there is a overlying story, but they all seem to be their own things. And I think that shows the most in Rise of Skywalker. It feels very separate from the rest. There's things that just never get paid off from the other two. Um, but yeah, definitely the it, it was a rough part. Grant, um, same. T- so I'm, I'm same question. Were you gonna say? <laughs> I, I was. I was gonna. I was. I wanted to ask another question. Oh, are, are we going to interview Sponder about? <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 because you brought okay. So you brought up the characters, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I think Ray was a fantastic character across all three movies. Mm-hmm. I think they did a lot of really interesting stuff with her. Um, as for the other characters, I don't know if I could say the same thing. I'm, I'm, it's like some, let's say someone like Finn. Like I, I'm just curious, like what you think is about his character is like interesting, and also like what does he do for like the plot itself in any of them. See, the way the way I see Finn is I enjoy Finn because he's kind of the um he's almost like the uh what do you call it? The audience fill in. Like I feel like he this is all new to him. Like he grew up as a stormtrooper, like he just had and this so the whole rebellion, the whole uh resistance, like he's just dropped into this adventure and has to go with it. And I, I really enjoy the way he in the first movie, he's just trying to get away, and by the end of it, he's like, he's all there. Don't uh, I, I personally just really enjoyed the way that that worked out through it. Well, okay, so that that's a good <clears throat> that's a good jumping off point for for my issue with the character development is I I I really like Finn as a character, but I don't think they gave him the the depth that he deserved because he had this amazing potential as uh. uh I, I guess a, a deserter of, of the first order. He was a stormtrooper, and we didn't get any of his backstory. We didn't get any of his we, we like we didn't explore that other than the fact that it was useful for the rebellion or the resistance to have someone who knew how certain things in the first order worked, and that only really pays off once for him to understand how things work on the Star Killer base for them to destroy it. And then there's a couple tongue-in-cheek things that they probably could have figured out on their own without him saying something. He was just kind of confirmed it in in eight and nine. But I think it'd be such a more such a much more interesting story to understand how the stormtroopers were taken. You know, as as a young young child, as far as what the comics say, that young children were stripped from their families by the first order and before that the Empire to uh, usher them into the infantry of of this massive grand army that was never explored and then even in rise of skywalker they touch on i, I forget her name is it janna uh janna mm-hmm. uh they touch on her also being a, a defected stormtrooper well okay cool Fle- flesh that out i'm interested in that almost more than i am uh some of the t- the the storylines that are exist in seven eight and nine because of that disjointedness it's like it makes me yearn for some of those more uh, intricate backstories that we didn't get to have, but we will, I'm sure, in future media. I just think that it, that sucks for that character. Like that could have been great. Yeah, I think that there that that is one of the points where like it is it does seem separate between the se- the three movies. The whole like some of these smaller threads that we never get to see the the stormtrooper rebellion that that was hinted at in. Um, like some of the deleted scenes for episode seven. Right. 
um, that never made it in. And I guess JJ just wanted to bring more of that back in episode nine. That's what it seemed like, because then he just kind of drops it in again. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? I, I guess... I guess my whole hang-up, and I, I guess I'll ask you what you think about this. My whole hang-up is that I went into episode, I guess both 8 and 9, with this preconceived notion and this bias that I was already upset with how Disney was handling the trilogy, that mm-hmm. I was already kind of disenchanted with with the direction they were going. So I didn't really expect too much. 7, to me, was very safe, right? We And I think we've all agreed on that before in past conversations, that... Uh, seven, for worse or for better, is kind of a, a, a carbon copy of episode four. It has a, a, a you know this David Goliath story, the Star Killer base, the Death Star, the you know the whole thing. Um, we introduce ourselves to new characters. We are introduced to the Force as the new characters are, I, and it's it's well done. It's a well done movie, and I, I give JJ and Disney the credit to to at least reintroduce Star Wars in an effective way. The problem, though, is that. Like, Disney has admitted, after Episode 7, the baton was just handed off to Ryan Johnson. And there was literally no communication between Ryan Johnson and J.J. and Kathleen Kennedy to make sure that there was a cohesive story. So you introduce Snoke, Supreme Leader Snoke, this evil bad guy that apparently has the Force. Well, that's interesting. Who is this? And then Ryan Johnson says, ah, it doesn't matter. We killed him. Okay. Fine, uh, you can do that, but there has to be at least a little bit of exposition. We can't just throw away everything, and then for he was a clone. Palpatine created. Well, I... didn't you see that in the Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> and then Episode Nine comes out and tries to rectify it with with more information that leaves us with more questions at the end. And I think I think the problem I have going into Episode Nine is that I know that Disney didn't have an outline and a a, a set. Like they didn't, they, they they didn't even list out like all the boxes they want to check off. Check off. They just they just kind of had episode seven. Yeah, we want to have new Star Wars, and then all right, Ryan Johnson, you do your thing. Well, don't shouldn't you like be on the same page? That's why Marvel worked because Kevin Feige is overseeing everything, and all the directors communicate and make sure that there are threads that are are consistent and themes that are consistent throughout. That's why Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a massively different different tone than, uh the first Avengers or then uh, Dr. Strange. Like they're, they, they work because they make sure that everyone's on the same page and there are certain boxes they have to check off to make sure that they're following the same suit. Kathleen Kennedy didn't do that. And that's why I went into the rise of Skywalker kind of upset and jaded. And then I came out of it going, Oh God, that could have been so much better. You know, does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It, there was, like, like I said, they they do seem like three different movies. Uh, I I wish I almost wish they hadn't brought JJ back for the last one. As as much as I personally really enjoyed it, if you had all three movies be totally different, it might have almost made more sense that they were separate stories instead of like one guy starting a story and the other guy throwing in his own stuff in the middle and then the guy trying to end it after all of that. It it, it definitely didn't work as well as they had hoped and somehow jj returned <laughs> he was cloned grant they cloned jj it wasn't <laughs> right right all right i need to come to the defense of ryan johnson here there's a lot of shitting on episode eight going on here. not <laughs> oh, directly I, but but there's I, some like low-key like 
I, I do apologize Sorry, if it came ahead, off yeah. that way. Uh, episode eight is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. It's just see me too. Where it's placed really wanna... is. Mm-hmm. And if anything, if I gotta speak about why I think Episode Nine is such an affront, it's because of the potential that I personally think that Ryan Johnson put into Episode Eight. All right, and I'm gonna start off with the biggest point here, and that is Rose Tico, who is easily one of the outstanding characters oh, yeah. in the Last Jedi, and people mm. will that pisses people off when they hear that too. <laughs> I don't understand why. She was wonderful, and guess what mm-hmm. she gets for the last movie in the franchise after she got so much to do in the last one. She gets a minute and a half of screen time. Mm-hmm. She gets she gets to be she gets to be standing by a, a dead lady for all of her scenes because they needed someone to make her seem like she was still alive. Grant, is that is that is That's that dead lady that you're movie. referring to the great Carrie Fisher? <laughs> yes. I, I would give my left arm to be cast in a movie for a minute and a half to stand next to a dead Carrie Fisher. Okay, but uh, Rose Tico deserved more. I, I agree. Right? I'm just being funny. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I can definitely 100% agree on you there. I loved Rose in episode 8, and I was really upset, because I thought she was supposed to have a bigger role in 9. And yeah. And and so that's another thing I want to speak to. It's like, so you spoke of earlier about how, so you said Kylo had a great resolution to his character, and I want to I wanna like pick at that just a second okay. here. Okay, right, bring it. I think they had a lot of Oh, he was easily the best character in Force Awakens. Like him mm-hmm. being Ben Solo, the son of of Leia and Han, and and he turned to the dark side because of for some shadowy reason. And we find out in the Last Jedi that that Luke had a moment of weakness that people really love to pick apart. But that that's one of the best parts of that. It makes it so complicated in terms of their character dynamic. And then you have this great setup between between Ray and Kylo in Episode Eight, where they can communicate to each other through the Force, and there's something going on there. And then what do we get in Episode Nine? He is he's um, the first half of the movie, the first scene. So he's talking to Palpatine, and then he goes to Ray to try and defeat to for them to team up to defeat Palpatine. Okay, that doesn't work. And then he dies, maybe, and then. Uh, CGI Leia comes in and somehow saves his life the first time, and then he turns good because uh, Harrison Ford with a bad hairdo shows up and and says, "Oh, you're still my son." Oh. <laughs> that, that was that was. This is, this is what happened in the movie. All right, I'm not Harrison making Ford. this shit up. That was the uh, worst. That was the worst Harrison Ford impression I've ever heard. <laughs> and then and then he goes to Exegol or whatever the fuck it's called at the end. <laughs> And then he 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 bashes his knee. He like skins his knee, and he says "ow." And that's the last time we ever hear Kylo Ren speak. And then I, he he dies miraculously in Ray's arms because of life force or whatever. I, I'm simplifying a lot here, but that's also what the Rise of Skywalker did. It was just like it took all this potential, and it was just like, all right, what's what's Kylo Ren's big big goodbye? He says "ow," and then he dies. <laughs> Once they once they shoot the lightning back at the bad bushy man, like okay, what is happening here? All right, Spawner, Spawner, go ahead. Okay, I you did simplify it a lot, but there's there's so much. I I feel like I really enjoyed them showing like the pull back and forth because both Ray and Kylo are constantly pulled towards the opposite. Kylo is constantly getting like pulled back towards the light and he's fighting against that. Ray's constantly getting pulled towards the dark and she's fighting against that. 
And at the end, they both, you know, they work together and they're like, okay, they are on the same side and, you know, defeat pure evil Palpatine. What? Okay. Sponder. Yeah. Unlimited power. Um, (laughs) God, Revenge of the Sith is so good. I I, I, I do love it. I I do love the prequel trilogy. For anyone listening, don't jump on my bones because I was making fun of Revenge of the Sith. Um, See, in most people's minds, your tastes just immediately went to like like dirt in comparison. (laughs) When you're like, oh, the prequels are great, but these new Mm. movies aren't as good. I love the prequels too. I'm just going to give a heads up. They're not good movies. George Lucas, without people telling him what to do is is very exposed in terms of his abilities he got great visuals some interesting ideas and then there's not much past that in terms of characterization so i'll give i will give to say something nice about rise of skywalker jj has some visual goddamn flair Mm. he knows how to set up a camera and move it and move characters oh yeah within it Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Like, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, they're really pretty movies. Really well Mm -hmm. put together. And they are engaging. But they are to the point where they are so engaging where the story very much gets lost. And it is almost complete. Well, okay. So I want to go off of that because the engagement I have a problem with. I think, and Spawner, maybe you 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 can give me some of your takes on this. But my biggest issue with Rise of Skywalker is there are so many cheeky moments where it feels like J.J. was trying to be engaging just to be engaging. And in a way, kind of fan service but I'll give you a couple examples. Number one, when uh, Ray runs away, uh, when she finds out the truth about Palpatine or, or whatever, and she goes to Octo where uh, mm-hmm. Luke had isolated himself. And, you know, she's all upset and throws stuff at the, the burning TIE fighter and... And uh, Luke catches the the lightsaber because you know screw Last Jedi, and <laughs> which it, it, Grant, correct me if I'm wrong. That's what that's what that was. It was a rebuke of what happened with uh, Luke throwing it over a soldier uh, shoulder, which was also a stupid scene in my opinion. But <clears throat> it was it was too cheeky. And then again, he catches it. It's it's kind of cheeky. It's like yeah, and and then Luke says, "What are you doing?" Like uh. Like that doesn't sound like something that Luke Skywalker would say. He's an optimistic. It's frustrating. I'm not going to go down that. But the, the point was that after all that's done, and then she's going to go somewhere to to fight Palpatine. He rises his uh, Red Five X wing out of the water that has been desolate for thirty years, which apparently has amazing waterproof engines and can still still has fuel. I like, I don't know. I know that the science of Star Wars hasn't been really explored that much, but maybe solo solo kind of gave us coaxium like that's that's a highly combustible fuel that all the spaceships use right so anyway i will defend that briefly because dagobah they did lift it out of the water yoda did but and it okay still did work like well, that was quick though that happened in like three or four days I, that's my it's little details that that that's the thing it's like i don't want to sound hypocritical because i say it's little details like that in the star wars universe that don't matter as much but yes it's plot details that I do care about when it comes to very large themes and and character motivations in this final film. Okay, well that that, that don't add. Yes, up. That, that's my point, and I'm I'm getting to. Obviously, I know that the science is 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 dumb because it's Star Wars. I, I know that there's no sound in space, but there is in Star Wars. I'm not saying that's a problem. I love that. It's it's fantasy. 
my point is that the way them redoing that scene and playing that beautiful music with that John Williams score, which I love, by the way, it almost feels like a heavy-handed dose of nostalgia just because they can. And it doesn't add to the plot. It doesn't make Ray's character any better. It doesn't make uh, Luke Skywalker's character any better. Like they tried to use it as a, as a way to show that Luke had come full circle and that he now he understands that he was wrong. And I, I get that, but I think it, they could have done it in a way that was more original and more true to Ray's story rather than saying, hey, you guys remember Empire? That was a cool scene. Well, now Luke can do it. No, that's, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I think, that, I think that's silly. And the other, the other one that I wanted to bring up is uh, Palpatine in general. I love Palpatine. I love Ian McDimmered. I loved Ian McDimmered in this movie. I think he is... I love ha- him hamming it up on the screen as Palpatine. He is great. But just to bring him back because they weren't really sure where to end it, was that always the plan or was it not? And it, it kind of makes me kind of, I don't know, eye roll in a way that I don't... It pulls me out of the story because the plot could have been so much better. And it feels like they had to throw him in because Snoke was killed and, uh, you know what, who's the biggest baddie? Well, we can't make a new one, and Vader's dead, and Darth Maul is gone because of Clone Wars and Rebels, and we can't do all this, so Palpatine. Oh, yeah, yeah, that actor's still alive, right? Oh, yeah, okay, put him in there. And that's what, I guess that's just, that's me being jaded about how Disney's handling the franchise, but it just pulls me out of the movie. The moments where we have Poe and Finn and Ray, like Dan, you were saying, um, I love those dynamics. I love those characters being on an adventure together. That's great. I want more of that. They run into Lando and they have to find this thing. Great. I don't mind that at all. But the minute you start shoving in some nostalgic crap, just because Grant, you're shaking your head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wrong. I was going to bring up Lando's one of those things I was going to bring up. Like what? What? Okay. Well, where was he? So they're on this. They're in this. They're in this like Burning Man festival, right? <laughs> and they're looking. They're like picking up Luke Skywalker's trail, and then suddenly Lando shows up and shoots a stormtrooper, and he's like, "Oh, Leia sent me a message. You are here, and I just happen to be here right now." And you're like, "What?" And then he's got a Muppet in the front. And he's like, "All right, we got to get over there." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I so Billy D. Williams is a treasure. He, you were just you were just speaking against them bringing in stuff for nostalgic reasons for no purpose, and Lando just screams at me one of those ex- those examples of things that they did, they brought in for nostalgia. I, I agree. I agree. I 100 percent agree. I, and I I'm just saying that I I like that that smaller scale of the nostalgia where they where they actually have a character who actually does something because Billy Dee Williams should have been in the original trilogy to begin with. I wanted to see him interact with Han. Like that would have been great. That didn't happen. So they had to like you can't you can't do a sequel trilogy without Billy D Williams. And they had to shove him in. You can do a sequel trilogy without Palpatine. Right? That's the difference to me. Here's my hot take. They could have done a sequel trilogy without the original cast completely. Sure. And so I I, I think I, speak, speaking to both Dan's point earlier about these new characters coming together and them being pulled to opposite sides of the force. Like that is a very interesting dynamic. And I totally agree with you on that. And that's, and and then speaking to Alan's point about Disney and their intention about what they were trying to do with these new movies in the first place and the direction in general. So the direction I saw with force awakens was, all right, here's this, 
this new movie that we're going to try and bridge the gap to the old ones and bring it to a new audience. And so that worked well enough. Like I have many critical points about Force Awakens too, and that's a whole different story, but it did its job to do that, that bridging the gap. And then it used the old cast perfectly fine, but all these new characters were the, the potential that I thought was incredibly interesting. And I think that's what I liked about um, the last Jedi too. And what Ryan Johnson did is the one old character that they put in there, or at least two of them, like Leia and Luke, they explored their characters in a way we hadn't seen before. Whereas in the force awakens, you had Han who was just the same character as he was in episode four. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it's been 30 years. Why are you still the same? And then Luke 30 years, he's a completely different person. It's a complete, unbelievably interesting. You have Leia who's still struggling by leading this rebellion, which we can get into why them still being the rebellion at this point doesn't make a lot of sense, but new characters, new interesting dynamics with them struggling with their own inner desires and inner tensions and all that. Let's compare that to this other original trilogy and, and the original saga, I should say. Uh, let's go back even to episode one where it's the prophecy that this, this young boy, this Anakin Skywalker is going to bring balance to the force. That's what they keep saying, right? By episode six, that's been fulfilled. He sacrificed himself to stop the Emperor and then th and throw him into this sh lightning pit. Like, okay, and then we have this this big space station that explodes again. And the balance has brought, been brought to the Force and, and peace has been restored. Okay, I guess it isn't. Come episode seven. And now come episode nine, that person that he sacrificed himself to kill. Ah, no, he's back. It's fine. Somehow he returned. It was a clone. You're like, okay, but what happened to that original prophecy and that original intent? Was the prophecy then turned into, oh, he, he was going to have a, a child who had their own child who was then going to team up with Palpatine's grandchild and then they were going to both defeat the actual him. Like, that's what it became. It's, it took this, this interesting characters and their interesting plot point and tried to tie it back into this thing that then totally unwrote all of that and made it less interesting and less valuable and then tied it back into the other stuff that didn't tie in together well and made that less interesting and valuable and what it ended up being was just this thing that that made the rest of the saga com almost completely useless and nonsensical that what that's what my issue with this movie boils down to <laughs> It, one of one of the things I've said is like especially following that one of the things that the sequel trilogy feels like the sequel trilogy feels like the old expanded universe because the old expanded universe before Disney wiped it clean had a ton of ridiculous stuff like that that's where you got the really crazy weird force powers that's where you had a billion clones of Palpatine and you had like seventeen clones of Luke and there were just a bunch of weird stuff going on and I. The sequel trilogy has that. And people love the old expanded universe. And so, like, some people are going to like this too. Like like me, I enjoy it. But it, that's, that's what it kind of feels like. It doesn't feel like it cheapens it, though. Like, that doesn't mm -hmm. come into it. Like, that, that's... It feels, it feels cheap and, like, it feels like just another commodity at this point. That's something that Disney got a hold of and and just, we got to appeal to, I don't know what a fan base they were trying to appeal well, to. Like, I really don't. So here's a good question, because Grant, you brought up the Chosen One prophecy with Anakin. And Spawner, I'd like to hear, hear your take on that, because the Expanded Universe existed prior to Episode 1, 2, and 3 being filmed. 
Like that, that had the writing had already been started, and then the rest of the expanded universe kind of just compounded on ideas after one, two, and three became canon, and like it didn't really matter because like you could look to Marvel or DC, all, all the comics and books and whatnot, they don't all connect. There's like 17 different timelines that don't that don't co- coincide with each other, but the, we have a new canon, right? The expanded universe has been thrown out, and I, I agree with you. I love the expanded universe. I've read a lot of the books and the comics, and I, I grew up enjoying that content. But that content was enjoyable. Enjoy, I can't talk. Enjoyable to me, because it it felt like a fan like myself writing some great, crazy, great, awesome action adventure that was in a book or a. Uh, uh, a graphic novel, a comic book, or, or whatever, rather than being <clears throat> canonized on the screen that was approved by George Lucas. So it was more so like fun fan fiction that I could like imagine, how great is this? Luke's doing this, and that's a force power, and this is happening. And, oh, my God, Palpatine has like 17 different clones. Because it was never made the official canon or follow-up of Star Wars Episode Six, that was like it wasn't made by George Lucas it didn't feel like it was taking away from the prophecy. So now the prophecy officially has been diluted because after episode six, along with, mind you, all the sacrifices sacrifices that the rebellion made in the original trilogy, all the people, all the pilots that died and whatnot against the empire is just thrown away because, oh yeah, but now the first order. And, oh, yeah, Vader sacrificed himself to save Luke and defeat the Emperor and the, the, thus uh, fulfilling his actual prophecy because apparently the prophecy didn't have a timeline. They just said, oh, yeah, he'll restore balance to the Force, and the poor Jedi thought it would be, like, in the next week, but it wasn't. But um, so then Vader throws him down the shaft and kills him, saves Luke, saves himself, and dies, and then everyone's happy. But now Palpatine's Palpatine's back. The first order is there. Now then the final order with the Sith troopers and all that stuff. Does that not take away from Vader's sacrifice? Like what what is that what do you think how do you square those two things? That's a really good question. <laughs> 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 it, that is a tough one. It, it really is because that that is one of the weird things with it. Um, like, I feel like pretty much any good explanation is going to be diving really far into, like, this happened in this side comic, and this happened here, and which I, I know isn't isn't what you want for the general the general fan base. Like, that's not everyone, right? And and I will agree, it's it's odd, but one of the things I always say, it's fun. Everything that happened was fun, and I have a ton of fun with it. And that's I, in the end, that's what I care about. Like, I, I agree with Dan on this one. I, I when I saw it in the theater, and it awesome IMAX, beautiful sound, opening night, and and you just turn your brain off and you just like watch it. I did have a good time. I really did enjoy it. It's when I started realizing again, though, in the midst of it, that they started bringing up Palpatine. That they started bringing up Ray was a Palpatine. And then they started bringing out Billy Dee Williams, and they started bringing back all these things. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is Star Wars. Oh no, what <laughs> happens?" 
that's it's it, it's the thing where it's like i it, it actively started to like grade on my brain where i'm like I went into it really loving Last Jedi, and I, I've been an like like an ardent defender of Last Jedi for a while, and and just the, the active trial to try and erase that movie from the canon by making this new one. It bothered me. It, it was it was it was Luke catching the lightsaber. It was it was Finn, like really not like coming to any real head his character it was he he's maybe was into ray the whole time and people love to talk about that um but then they, they introduced rose as some kind of romantic interest uh, but then we gotta write her out of the movie for some inexplicable reason um and now we're gonna write in jana who is just finn but lady like I, I i don't understand and and what that purpose served beside okay now we gotta put them on horses and lead some kind of nonsensical rebellion <laughs> that really in the movie itself felt cheapened when they were on a star destroyer and there was a thousand other ones around them like and i get what that means it's like okay it's the david and goliath story sure but when you have have finn say oh it's all hopeless and then that moment you have lando come in and like Oh no, there's more of us! And then he turns a corner and there's a thousand other ships! Like, okay, well, hey, as... th- this, this, is, this is one of my problems that I have with the Disney uh, formula, is that they, they saw how well Endgame uh, wrapped up the Marvel franchise. Now, I will say, and we haven't, we haven't maybe we'll do an Endgame or an Avengers episode sometime, but we haven't really had a deep dive conversation. I liked Infinity War more than I liked Endgame. Infinity War, I think, did a better job at juggling all the characters. Uh, however, I'm a massive Captain America fan, so I, I wanted more Captain America, and we got more Captain America and some pretty amazing content in Endgame. I love Endgame, but Endgame had that great culmination of 10 years of Marvel. I didn't get that feeling of, of, of Rise of Skywalker, which it was propped up to be, I mean, Spawner, when we went to Chicago to, 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 to watch the teaser trailer and watch everyone talk about it on the panel, it was supposed to be this culmination of, what, 40, 45 years of Star Wars and the Skywalker saga comes to an end, and it wraps it all up. It's like, okay, I didn't get that. And, and, and you're almost expecting Lando to say, uh, on your left, and then all the ships come out of portals, and then they defeat, they defeat <laughs> Thanos and the fir- the final order like that's what it felt like and like they didn't do it as well as Endgame. <clears throat> that that being said though i'll never forget when i first watched it in theaters i had a good time up until i, I i'll never forget it was very visceral i melted into my seat when palpatine opened the sky up to show ray what was going on which by the way is a exact a direct callback to return of the jedi when he's showing luke out the window your fate and your friends is yours. You know that's you gotta show. You gotta show the the protagonist all your the horrible. Th- I love I love your palpy, by the way. I really. Yeah. Do. <laughs> I'm not gonna keep doing it. <laughs> um, but he opens the sky and then he he after he gets the the force dyad whatever the hell that is, he he shoots his he shoots his lightning fingers into the sky, and and. It, it, it's like I did. I rolled my eyes rolled in the back of my skull, and I I melted into my seat, and I was just like, "What is this?" Because if Palpatine could do that now, Palpatine could have done that in Episode Six. This is bullshit. 
No, his clone was less powerful. Yeah, yeah but right? okay, you know, the what <laughs> he like it's like it's like when you split like like video footage into another Don't. like copy and paste it, and it loses See, quality. That's what happens when you split a Palpatine into another. His fourth force dwindles, oh. and he needed the power of the Dyad to shoot all the lightning into the sky for have it to have no effect at all. Don't you think? Don't you think though that 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 takes away from the greatness that is a small movie like Star Wars Episode Four. Like, A New Hope was great because it was so small-scale, low-budget, amazing character story. Like, the only special effects that existed were lasers and uh, uh, lightsabers. Everything else was a, an actual model that they had to blue screen and, and, and rotoscope out into space. It looked amazing for the time. And, I, to, I mean, obviously, look back at it now. It looks a little cheap, but it looks great. I love it. And it was small. It was small. Vader Vader was menacing because he was unknown and mysterious and had this awesome brand new suit. You throw a mask on Kylo Ren because, well, masks are evil. Like that, come on. Masks were evil because of Darth Vader. I would argue that Kylo Ren had, had infinitely more character in The Force Awakens when he took his mask off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that was the moment in that movie where I was like, oh. Like, it, it totally, like... <laughs> subverted my expectations but yeah no, it, it took it to a different level for sure and then it was this this active thing in it like last jedi he smashes it and then the first thing you see in the trailer of of the rise of skywalker he puts it back together <laughs> it's like give me a break I, okay well I, 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 spawner I, go ahead because i know you want to talk but i also want you to address palpatine as a choice no oh, well i part of me like I almost wonder, I, and I want to know your guys' opinion on this. Could you put some blame on the backlash from the Last Jedi? Like we've agreed, we love the Last Jedi, uh. but there were people. It was a huge deal with how split the fan base was on the Last Jedi when it first came out. People were saying to wipe it from the canon two weeks after. Do you think part of the reason we got how? Rise of Skywalker ended was because they were trying to deal with that. I, I will totally agree that there was that there is absolutely a whole lot in the Rise of Skywalker that was a direct response to the backlash that Last Jedi got, and I think just hiring J.J. Abrams in the first place is like the most clear example of that. Like, okay, we we hired him in the first place; people loved it, made two billion dollars. I hired Last Jedi, uh, Ryan Johnson. I made a good amount of money, not as much. Half people really like it, half people fucking hate it. All right, people now, uh, hated it. We have Colin Trevorrow in here. Uh, he's he's not really uh, good to work with. Uh, I mean, we don't really like his. Uh, well, JJ, we gotta get JJ. Give him whatever he wants. We'll do it. It'll be great. People will love us again. And yeah, no, I think there is absolutely an aspect of the film that feels like it's like a direct response to that criticism. But I think it is emblematic of, of a large issue that Alan has been bringing up where it is the lack of planning from the start that is a bigger issue than anything. Like he was bringing up um, Marvel as an example, as like a shining example of you have this, this figurehead, Kevin Feige, who is behind everything. And he's like, all right, you're going to toe the line. You're going to get it in what we want to do. We're going to communicate. And then there's clearly been examples of people who don't quite get into that, where you have like um, Edgar Wright with Ant Man, mm-hmm. 
left or got fired because of creative differences. Scott Derrickson, Doctor Strange 2, left or got fired because of that. And then you have um, very clearly the movie that came out, like Age of Ultron, which I think is regularly considered one of the lesser Marvel movies as a whole. And that was like clearly Joss Whedon trying to do one thing and then Marvel trying to do a bunch of other stuff at the same time. And it, I would be one of my most direct comparisons to the influence of the studio and audience expectations as a whole and where they need to take the franchise versus uh, a creator and what he is personally trying to do with it. And it's like Age of Ultron is, is the actual um sequel trilogy meshed into one where you have jj doing one thing uh ryan johnson trying to do something completely different and then jj coming back in and just saying fuck it i'm just gonna do what i was trying to do in the first place hell or high water and it's it's a mess well hey it's a horrible mess. don't 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 you dare forget that chris terrio co-wrote this script episode with episode nine and did he not or did he write the script for Justice League and Batman vs. Superman or, or one or the other. I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Hey, he also wrote Argo and is an Academy Award winner. <laughs> Argo's great. Argo, fuck yourself. But I, listen. I will also argue that Batman vs. Superman is great. Come at me, bro. I know that doesn't make sense now that I'm shitting on Rise of Skywalker, but... <laughs> I love Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> well... <laughs> Oh my God, that's a that's a that's another podcast. <laughs> it is, it really is, yeah. No, listen, I, I I at the risk of running this too long because I, I, obviously I I think in general all three of us enjoy what the sequel trilogy attempted to do, uh, and 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 whether we like it or not, it is what exists. It's the canon that exists with Star Wars. I have argued before to Grant. I might have talked to you about this before, Sponder, but I would have preferred Disney to come in and start with a property like The Mandalorian, which is 1,000 times, 1,000 miles away from anything Skywalker related. Other than the lived-in universe, whether it be with you know blasters and lightsabers and and maybe a stormtrooper here or there or the remnants of something because of, 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 of the Empire had the entire galaxy that they controlled, um, they could just drop maybe maybe once or twice do a couple little references of something, but maybe like fast forward a thousand years in the future or go somewhere where the, where the Skywalkers are unknown. And they, they, there's just a small little planet that you're going to do a, a small story like the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. The only thing that we have really referenced to is the dark saber spoiler alert, the dark dark saber in that was referenced in rebels. And okay, that's cool. And then, uh, in ATST, Okay, that that I saw that in a Star Wars movie. Cool, but none of those matter for the actual plot right now. It's it's driven on the character of the Mando and his interactions with other people as he's doing his bounty hunting and protecting the cho- the the child, who is mysterious. And they haven't like heavy handed handedly tell, told us that it's Yoda or it's it's a Yoda species. But it's just, they just kind of allude to things and they make it not about so much the plot or it doesn't matter for the character development of the Mando. It, it is just, it's just a lived in universe. It feels like 
I think they could have done like Mandalorian is amazing. I think they've done a really great job with with rolling that out with Disney Plus. I feel like they 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 only did seven, eight, and nine because the three original main actors were still alive. And I'm glad they were. I love them. I love Carrie Fisher. I love Mark Hamill. Love Harrison Ford. They are great. But to shove them in because they can almost makes it feel cheapened because they're just doing it. Like, I, I, why is Leia not retired and living a beautiful life with her husband Han somewhere else? If there's a new enemy in the universe... Let the new kids take it up. I don't know why this old general is the one commanding these forces anymore. It's frustrating. There should be someone new at leadership. Why is Ray not that new Leia? Ray is a great, dynamic, strong character. I love Daisy Ridley in these movies. But it feels like it feels like they just did it because they could. And I think that's my problem with Disney. That's my rant. Leia would never stand by and let that happen by the way leia would go out and fight immediately maybe yeah just, I, just throwing that out there. yeah I, I and and you know what she could give two shits about retiring <laughs> i you're 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 right and, and i i think that's a testament to the amazing amazing strength that carrie fisher puts into, into the role of leia uh the fact that she was able to ooze that confidence and strength in episode four to make her carry into five and six and i still feel that in seven eight and even though it was a, a CGI replacement, you know, she's there in nine. But I, I will say I am curious to know what the script would have been had Carrie Fisher been still alive to, to act out different parts. How much of a role would she have had? How much of an influence would that have on the actual story? Uh, that, that's something that we'll never know. Uh, I will say one final thing, and maybe you guys can comment on this. I don't like, whether it be Marvel or Star Wars or DC for that matter, I don't like having a movie have things that show up that aren't explained to the audience, but they make they pull you out of the movie and make you ask the question. And then that question is answered in a different medium down the road, whether it be a comic book, a video game, uh, a Disney Plus series or whatever. Like Marvel did it with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, I don't know if you remember in Age of Ultron, at the end, Nick Fury shows up with a helicarrier and saves the day. Well, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was alluded to that Phil Coulson was able to find that and uncovered it and gave it to Nick Fury so he could have that. The fact that Phil Coulson did that did not matter to the plot of... Uh, or, and didn't make us scratch our heads to, to Age of Ultron. It didn't really matter that you knew that. In Episode Seven, c C-3PO, a beloved original legacy character has a red arm, and because he is that well-known legacy character, it kind of makes you scratch your head and say, why does he have a red arm? That's a, very, that's a stark difference than a golden character. And a golden character, I mean, because Anthony Daniels is a golden uh, actor. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to inflate his ego because he is... He's great. I, I mean, Spider. We we interacted with him when he was on the stage at at, at Chicago. Oh. He's he's amazing. Um, he's a glorious man. He's electric. But uh, that that was explained in a comic book afterwards, after Episode Seven was released. I I don't like that. I wish I wish they would they would leave it to little small Easter Easter eggs rather than things that are kind of hitting you over the head while you're watching the movie. And. I, I just think Disney got the formula wrong. They tried to apply what they were doing with Marvel to Star Wars and 
even added some of their Marvel, you know, uh, tongue-in-cheek jokes that didn't really match with the characters in Star Wars in some ways. And that's frustrating because I think the potential of the sequel trilogy was lost. They had great characters and a potential for a great story after Episode 7. Even if I'm not the biggest fan of Episode 7, it was a safe bet. And I'm, I'm a little frustrated that they didn't do the best that they could have with just simply having a conversation, whether it be with a glass of whiskey and some friends or not. <laughs> uh, just to talk about how to go forward with three movies and have a, 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 an outline in place to be able to make a coherent th- three-part movie. Because, Dan, like you said, as much as we enjoy these movies independently, they don't flow together very well. And that's so frustrating. I'm mad. And it's been how long since it came out. <laughs> um, well, I can I can definitely comment on that, that, that fleshing things out in the extended universe and, and this is gonna be this is this is a whole other podcast that we could go into and I would love to have us back to talk about it at some point. Because I'm still mad about this one. But I think a very clear example of this, and this was done in a movie that they made in this new uh, Disney launch of uh, Star Wars. Uh, the whole Rogue One a movie that came out a few years back called uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Um, I'm familiar with that. They, they, they decided they wanted to flesh out the story of how they got the Death Star plans. And this is going to be some like very uh, engaging war movie about how these these people died and sacrificed themselves to get these plans. And I was watching it, I was like, oh god, I don't care about any of this. And then I'm watching the actual movie, Star Wars, Episode 4, A New Hope, and they're like, oh, many Bothans died to get us this information. One line was more interesting and engaging, and it suggested way more emotion and interest than an entire two-hour movie did when I was watching it. That's that issue of trying to trying to say that these things that come up in a movie are only important when you read the book or this something else and this was a movie that was supposed to flush this thing out and it was totally unnecessary and it did not need to be made that's my point on that (laughs) well this is tough because i have very strong feelings about rogue one and (laughs) should we dedicate another podcast to to rogue one (laughs) rogue one is some of the best star wars the disney oh my god (laughs) And I will literally fight you on that. Give me another glass of whiskey and we can throw down because I absolutely love Rogue One. And it had to come up at (laughs) this point in the conversation near the end. Well, Sponder, I will will be able to bridge bridge a little bit of a a compromise with Grant. Grant and I have agreed on this before. Rogue One feels and looks like a better Star Wars movie as a lived-in world than I think seven through nine do in their entirety. I think I think the fact that the set pieces and the the empire and the, the, just the lived in world I think feels so so rooted in episode four, five, and six to me at least. Um, I think that's that's where Rogue One has a strong point. I, I do agree though in general, and on top of the Tarkin, you know, hit or miss. Whether you like it or not, CGI. Like I, I, I do understand Grant's frustration. I, I share that frustration in in general. I love Rogue One as its own movie. I don't like it as an addition to the the the, the normal canon, if that makes sense. Like I, I don't think it was like I enjoyed it, but it wasn't necessary. I have the same feelings for for Solo. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't necessary. Like I did. I don't think it adds. And I, I also, to be fair, don't think it takes away. 
That doesn't mean you should do it. I'd rather have them spend more time. The amount of time they spent on writing the script and filming Rogue One, they could have spent in the boardroom making sure they had episodes 7, 8, and 9 written correctly. And that's I think that's my point. I liked Rogue One. And Sponder, I'm with you because we enjoyed it. I, I love it. I just don't think it was necessary for the grand picture of Star Wars. Is any movie really necessary, Alan? It, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. They make these movies because they're fun. They're not like... This This is all just... I mean, you know me. I live Star Wars. I, well, like... That, that was great. That, that, was, that, yeah. that was a phil- philosophical moment. <laughs> um, I'd argue yes, because it's very important to my particular lifestyle. Um <laughs> Well, but, as long as you don't lose the will to live, I think we're uh, we're gonna be fine. I think we're right. <laughs> uh, so hey, I, I I know I know we're kind of going on a, on a, a tangent here, and we're we're running close to an hour, so I I don't want to take up too much more time. Um, just at the sake of being more concise with podcasts, I, I I'm trying not to do uh, Joe Rogan th- three or four hours, <laughs> um, because. <laughs> Lord knows we really could, and 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 and, oh, yeah. and you know what? We might even do a follow up to this down the road, just to just to rehash out some things. Maybe maybe all three of us should do a watch party at some point, and then get back on and 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 rehash things out. I think there's a lot of opportunity here to have a conversation about, you know, not just the Star Wars aspect, but the business side of Disney and how the, how a lot of what Disney doing is a lot of what Disney is doing is a lot of cash cow work, right? The fact that they're remaking Lion King, they're remaking Hercules. Now they're remaking Aladdin. Um, is that necessary? No, but they're fun. Like Sponder said, I, I get that, but they also seem to be just like money grabs. I rather, I would rather have original content. And if you're going to use a star Wars property, I want original new content. Like one of the books in this expanded universe that had no connection to the Skywalker saga. Great, make that movie. I think that would be great. It'd be a risk, and I think risks have paid off in in cinema. Uh, but anyway, that's a different conversation. I want to end this on a uh, a fun uh, activity. I want us to go around and and rank our Star Wars films, and I want to omit. I want to omit the Star Wars stories like. Uh, uh, you know, Solo and Rogue One. I, don't worry about Mandalorian or the Clone Wars or any of that. And and also forget the Clone Wars animated movie. That's not that doesn't count. Um. So one through nine. I want uh, Grant. I'll start with you. Then Sponder. Then I'll go. Uh, I know. No time to think. I write this down. I want. <laughs> I want you to rank favorite to least favorite. All right. One through nine. Um. Okay. So. So best to worst, and this is already controversy because of what my number one is. Uh, four, five, eight, yeah. six, four, five, eight, six. Uh, oh shit! Okay, we're getting down there. Um, one, three, seven. Two nine. Wow, that's my rank. Att- yes. Attack of the Clones is above <laughs> Episode Nine. Yes. Is it? Is it because the love story in Episode Two is better than the love story in Episode Nine? <laughs> yes. It is all, well, there is a love. St- oh God, with Zori Bliss, that's not a love story. 
Um, so I guess, I guess, I guess we didn't even talk about um, fucking uh, Ray and Kylo. Whatever. That's oh, not like, hey, more more podcasts coming. <laughs> it's purely it's purely for the love theme. Yeah. <clears throat> Written and composed by John Williams. Oh, he's so good. Sweet, sweet John yes. Williams. He's a genius. Oh, and it's one of the best, best pieces of score in Star Wars history. You can find yep, it on that. I, I okay, agree. Anyway, go ahead with your with your rankings. All right, I, I wrote it down real quick because I was not gonna be able to. Uh, five, eight, four, three, six, one, seven, nine, two. Okay, well, hey, you know what? As as a as a strong defender and lover of Episode Nine, that's still pretty low. Oh, well, that's, you know, you're asking me to rank nine of the the best movies in my mind in existence, and so I mean, they're all like all up here for me. So that's that's fair. But yes, okay, I will defend two with my life, and I I that's by far my least favorite. I wrote two way farther down on the sheet than the rest of the list. (laughs) (laughs) Enter, 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 enter two. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so for me is five, four, three, I'm counting down, six, Uh, one, seven, eight, nine, two. We had a very similar list. Yeah, we did. I, okay. Uh, but, well, you know, at, at the risk of running this too long, uh, I've already said that, but I, I, I want to thank you guys. I, I know we have so much more to say and there's so much more nuance in star Wars. I, 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 there's no possible way we could cover this all in the amount of time that we've had. Um, the more we sit here, we're going to have more things to say. And I guarantee you the minute that we come off of this conversation, we're going to, you know, be staring in the mirror and saying, yeah, I should have said that because that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, um, I want to appreciate I, I, I want to appreciate you guys being here. I, I, I love you both. I appreciate it. And I hope to see you soon. That's, hey, let's, let's come back together and maybe do another follow-up or something that's more tailored to Rogue One or DC or Marvel or, or whatever. Uh, that being said, of course, this conversation podcast will not be about just politic, politics. It won't be about Star Wars. It'll be about everything under the sun for fun while we have a glass of whiskey and also podcasts about whiskey. So, uh, Dan Sponder, Grant Brown, thank you for joining me. Uh, please like, and subscribe on our YouTube, uh, follow us on, on Spotify. We will be on Apple podcasts and Google podcasts and, and everywhere you can find podcasts. Eventually we are working out the details to make sure that our RSS feed goes out to all those places. However, we are on YouTube uh, and we will be sharing all of our stuff on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all the socials. So please like, subscribe, share. Uh, and if you do enjoy our content, we do we would appreciate it if you supported us on Patreon. And uh, with that, I will say thank you guys, and I can't wait for our third episode. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, thanks for having me. I, I'm very happy to be one of the one of the first guest stars. Oh yeah, Dan. Yeah. Number one, Dan is first one. Dan is our first supporter on Patreon, so we, we greatly appreciate it. I hope to see you both soon, 
and maybe uh, hopefully soon in person once COVID-19 is over, I could yes. come fly home to Milwaukee. Uh, but uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Grant. All right. Cheers. May the force be with may you. May the force. May the force be with you. Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm.